Welcome to North Boston Korean United Methodist Church. Here we are a family that seeks to love others the way Jesus loves us and raise people up in his love. We're grateful to have you listen in. Regardless of who you are, you are always welcome here. For more information, check out our website at mbkumc.com. y'all good morning oh come on we've been doing this for the past how is Sarah gonna be the only one come on now good morning good morning one more time come on good morning can we look at the person on our left and on our right and say good morning it's lovely to see you we've missed you welcome yes welcome welcome shake the person's hand on your left and right. Shake the person's hand. Shake their hand. Look at them in the eye. Look at them in the eye. Say, I've missed you. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. For those of us who are new, my name is Jane. I am the pastor of the English-speaking youth and adult group at North Boston. It's lovely to have y'all here. Um, and welcome to... Welcome to our family, welcome to service, welcome home. We're gonna just jump right in because uh, we are continuing through our sermon series on Sermon on the Mount. If this is your first sermon ever, or if this is your first sermon with me, I apologize. Will we open up <laughs> your Bibles? I, well, I just thought I apologize. Will you open up your Bibles with me to the first book in the New Testament? If you don't have a Bible, if you don't know how to use a Bible, uh, you can go on your phone, look up, uh, Matthew 5, Matthew 5, verses 21 through 26. Matthew 5, verses 21 through 26. I have to disclaim. It's not, it's been a while since I, it's been a, it's been a minute, it's been a minute since I've disclaimed, but I just need to disclaim. The first disclaimer is that Jesus is, uh, he is a, as much as he is, you know, an amazing person, and as much as as much as I love him so much, just as a person, you know, the, the man who saved my life, the man who loves us as we are, like, legit, the real man, you know, who walked, walked this earth, who is alive in the flesh, um, as much as our Jesus is great, his words are strong, so <laughs> will you read it and suspend your brain and let me break down the passage for you, I promise. I'm gonna have to give this disclaimer like every single week from here on out. We're gonna be talking about some crazy things. And I just need y'all to hold on. Can you just hold, can you just hold your arms in front of you like this and clench and just lock in with me? Lock in, lock in with me. I know it's uncomfortable, but I need y'all to be tracking with me today because I need y'all to be following what I am saying, okay? And the other thing is I'm not preaching this because I'm good at it. I just need y'all to know, I'm not preaching this because I'm good at it. I'm a human being, just like y'all, not too much older than you, or not too much younger than you, or whatever I am, okay, in y'all's lives. I am just another human being, a sister in Christ, um, fellow heirs for the kingdom, and I just happen to be preaching this, but we are all wrestling, wrestling through this together, okay? So those are my two disclaimers. Will we all rise for the reading of God's holy and perfect word? So there's something called liturgy. Can y'all say that with me? Liturgy. 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 There's something called liturgy where we are worshiping as one body and so we do things together. 
So before we read God's word, I will say this is the word of the Lord and I will read God's word, which will be five verses today. And at the end of the reading, I will say again, this is the word of the Lord and we say together, thanks be to God. And then I will pray for us as we remain standing, okay? All right. This is God's holy and perfect word. Matthew 5. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Sure, truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you remain standing with me as we pray? God, we thank you for... Man... Man, Alma, you really had to say it like that. But, you know, we love you. And um, Jesus, no, Jesus, I'm not questioning you. Uh, we're just wrestling actively right now. Uh, but, God, we, we stand here before you because we know that you, that you are perfect, that you perfectly gave your life up willingly for us to be reconciled to you. God, we're, no, we're not great. We've made mistakes. And we've fallen short of the glory of God. And yet, you've demonstrated your love for us in that while we were still enemies, while we were still unwilling, while we were still accusing you, you died for us. And Abba, it is in that context that we take in your word. I pray that you give us eyes to see you, hearts to hear you, I pray that you open up our hearts to be able to understand what you are saying to us. I pray, Father God, for a genuine encounter with the living God. We believe in the reality of who you are. We believe in the reality of the resurrected King. And so we just, we just give you glory. Because Jesus, you are real. You are real. And we claim you right now. We claim your victory right now. Abba, you know me. I'm just one small girl, so hide me behind your cross. That it is not my words that people hear, nor my wisdom. But Lord, would you anoint my lips? And would you speak through me that it is you that people hear? Abba, your people come in here with all sorts of different baggages and different burdens. To those who need comfort right now, Lord, we pray for comfort in the name of Jesus. For those who need conviction, we pray for conviction in the name of Jesus. For those who need encounter, we pray for encounter in the name of Jesus. And for those who are on their way to, their, to your doorstep, we pray for open arms to receive today's message. That we would recognize that your arms are open towards us. That we would not run away. We thank you, Lord. We give you glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Oh, Holy Spirit. Man, oh man. 
All right, so we are going to go into this passage. Like I said, the disclaimer, if this is your first sermon ever or if this is your first time hearing me preach, I apologize. Um, We're going to be talking about anger. What is anger? <laughs> what is anger? What do y'all think anger is? Can you turn to the person on your left or on your right? Make sure nobody's, nobody's chilling by themselves and ask them or try to explain to them what anger is. Try to explain to them what anger is. Try to help each other understand what anger is. What is the emotion of anger? That is a synonym, that is not a definition. You have to explain what anger is. Tim, what's anger? Tim. What's anger? Did you look it up again? Okay. What's anger? Come over here. Did you look it up first? What's anger? Come over here. Did you look it up first? What's anger? Did you keep looking it up? Strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. <laughs> Did I do this to you last week? Yeah. I apologize. Um, I promise. I promise. I won't do that to the rest of y'all. I, prom- I promise. Be at ease. Please rest. Be comfortable. Okay. So anger is. Can you say that one more time? A strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. A strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. That is a very, very oversimplification. That's a big oversimplification of the word. But anyways, so this, it's okay. Thank you, Tim. Thank you. You have a better definition. Okay, tell me your better one. Anger, also known as wrath or rage, is an intense emotional state involving a strong, uncomfortable... You got to do this for the people who will be watching on the interwebs. (laughs) anger also known as wrath or rage is an intense emotional state involving a strong uncomfortable and non-cooperative response to a perceived provocation hurt or threat i'm not even gonna try to repeat that um it's fine it's you know look at look at that you've got all these people encouraging you thank you for pulling that up now The context of this passage is that this is, so we've just read through the Beatitudes, we've read through Salt and Light, and now we are going into six different things that Jesus calls out about the existing law. And so that's why all, you'll see it, it, like six times it'll say, it was said, you have read, you have heard that, it was said to people long ago, blank, right? And the first thing that he addresses here The first thing that Jesus himself addresses here is you shall not murder and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. That's that's in the Mosaic law. Obviously, we also have this law in our common law system as well. You shall not murder. But he he does this thing where he corrects the law without actually contradicting it. So he surpasses it without saying that it's wrong. And so that's the context of what's going on here. And the first thing was. You shall not murder interesting don't kill a human being got it right um but jesus confronts this egregious outwardly egregious sin 
through motivation. And so we are going to see Jesus do this six times about how it is not the outward behavior that he cares about, but it's the intention of the person. It is the intention of the person. And he confronts not murder, but the motivation for murder. Why do people murder? Please do not know the answer to that question, okay? Please, oh my God, I don't wanna, I'm not even gonna, no, 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 we don't have to, we don't have to get into this right now, but murder happens for various different reasons. Obviously, even in our common law system, there are, there are three um, degrees, first, second, and third. First is, I believe it's, um, it's premeditated murder, but second degree is also, oh, premeditated murder with intention, um, Second-degree murder is not premeditated, but with intention. And I believe third is manslaughter, when it was an accident. Um, or an act of passion, um, where it's not premeditated or intentionally done. Um, and so, you, you see here, uh, there are also other, um, there are other forms of murder, like self-defense, um, and when it is completely not your fault, but you were involved in a death of a life. Um, and even in, in our common law system, there are degrees to the crime of murder based off of varying levels of intention through a measurable scale of your heart's desire. Okay? So this exists even in our governmental system today. But Jesus goes further than that. It's not, an, it's not just an ethical thing for him. He says, and he addresses the core issue as to why people murder, and that's hatred. On any scale or form, rage or anger. Jesus addresses here, so he's not just all of a sudden elevating anger, but he's, show, he's pointing to the core reason as to why people commit this crime to begin with. And that is why anger is at the centerpiece of today's passage. Because God cares about our heart. And he says to refrain from hating another brother or sister. Now we have been talking about anger and Tim has read a bad and a better definition of anger for us. Um, one was bad because it was oversimplified. One was just too long. It's okay. You looked it up. It's neither. Neither of them are yours. Um, but okay. Um, and but but this this particular word here, um, the ESV I believe translates it as anger. The NIV or the NRSV translates it, it as hatred. What is the difference between anger and hatred? Hatred is when anger sets in. I don't know if you knew this about your emotions. Some of us might not have known this about our emotions, and some of us might. Initially, we have reactions to, to things, to stimuli. That's a big word for things that happen to you. Okay. Um, we have reactions to things. But when those reactions set in, they turn into a more long-standing emotion that is now extended past your reaction to whatever action somebody has done. 
Hatred is when anger sets in. Another form of anger setting in is bitterness. Another form of when anger setting in is apathy. A lot of these emotions are when anger sets in. Jesus also calls out here, he says, if you name call somebody a fool, you will be subject to, to fire, judgment by fire. Now that word fire, it's a specific kind of word. It's Gehenna and in the Greek, where, where that word is, is a specific fire where human sacrifices are made or when garbage is burned. So it's a specific kind of fire, uh, a gruesome fire, a fire that people don't like, a fire that is a metaphor for judgment. Okay, and Jesus confronts the, this smaller emotion, and he says, You have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I am telling you that everyone who is angry faces with his brother or sister faces judgment. Whoever calls his brother or sister Raka faces then at Sanhedrin, and whoever calls anyone fool faces fiery Gehenna. It's a very strong passage. When you first hear it, it might sound like Jesus is just randomly calling everybody out. Has anybody ever insulted another person before? Can I get a show of hands? Have you ever insulted somebody before? Yeah, me too. Okay? So at first, yo, those of y'all who did not raise y'all hands, all right? Those of y'all who did not raise y'all hands, okay. Okay, okay. Um, I, mean, I did I have a potty mouth. I'm working on it, though. Um, and, <laughs> you know, it might feel like God is just randomly calling everybody out. But what God here is doing, he is confronting the motivations of people's hearts. There are so many different colors to anger. We can go back to the question, what is anger? There are so many different colors to anger. Obviously, yes, anger is that extreme feeling, that intense feeling of hostility. But there's so many different colors to it. I was trying to explain. So during SNG yesterday, we were just kind of prefacing what anger was so that we can start talking about how anger manifests in our lives. And I was explaining the different kinds of anger that I have, right? For example, I have a specific kind of anger from my family. I have a specific kind of anger for strangers. And I have a, like, it's a specific kind of anger. Like, you know what? Y'all who know me know that Jesus has been working on my heart about this, but I've got some real rage because I'm a New Yorker. Okay, I come from New York City. If y'all did not hear me, it in my throat, okay? I come from New York City, all right? And where I come from, you cut me and I cut you. That's where I come from, okay? I come from a place that is like, we are, <laughs> we, we are not easy people to drive around, okay? And so I have quite a bit of road rage and the Lord has done a good work on me. Somebody, somebody told me recently, I think it was Andy that told me, who happens to be here today, even though he's not supposed to be. I'm pretty sure he was like, Jane, your road rage has decreased a lot. And I was like, you're right. Like, Jesus is working on me. But that just means that I'm not vocalizing it. Um, because it's still here. You know, it's still here. And that is when a certain stranger disadvantages me or, like, crosses me, I get annoyed. Okay? And that manifests in colorful language sometimes. Um, don't, I'm not saying that that's okay. I'm just saying that that's my... Brokenness. Um, another kind of anger that we might have is when when we are frustrated. And this, I get the most frustrated with my parents because sometimes, y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? You're trying to talk to your parents or you're trying to talk to your family and it's like hitting a brick wall. You're like, mom, 
I'm good. And she's like, are you okay with this? Are you okay with that? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you? I'm like, mom, I'm good. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Are you okay with this? Are you okay with that? Mom, I'm good. No, but are you eating though? You know, especially for those of us who've just gone to college, you know what I mean? It's like, mom, I'm good. The next day, are you sure you're okay? Mom, I'm good. The next day, are you sure you're okay? And when you hear it like the fifth time, it just, I don't know what it is. It's like this little scratch, this little itch that you can't scratch that like really aggravates you. That's how it feels like. In Korean, we, the word for it is chansuri. All right? When they nag you to no end, okay? And it leads to a certain kind of frustration because you know your parents are too stubborn. And you know you're too stubborn. And there is no winning this. It is just going to be a perpetual back and forth. And that leads to frustration. Sometimes when your parents, you know, we can, we can go a step further sometimes when your parents fail to see. You know, they fail to understand what you're saying. You're like trying to explain yourself, but because of generational barriers, cultural barriers, they fail to see you. They're like, why isn't my child doing this right? Like, why don't you see where I'm coming from? And you're like, mom, pops, like you're not seeing where I'm coming from. But they don't see that and you don't see it because you're stuck in your experience and they're stuck in theirs. And it's just hitting a brick wall. We have that with all, like, I do that, we have that with all of everybody, right? That's how siblings fight, that's how we fight with our parents, that's how parents fight with each other, and it's a specific, like, I don't know what it is, when it comes to family, it is just so specifically strong. Brings out the worst in you. I have a friend named Shelly, I'm so sorry for calling you on Shelly, I should not, well, now I have to finish this illustration. She's like the sweetest girl you'll ever meet, she'll never yell at you ever, but sometimes when she talks to her sister, I'm scared, you know? When she talks to her older sister, they're two years apart. I'm, I'm scared, right? Uh, they fight, like, they fight, fight. Like, they physically, they fight, fight, right? And, like, I don't know what it is about family. Really gets under your skin, like, frustration, right? And that sometimes leads to apathy. What sets in from frustration is often apathy. When somebody is too stubborn and you are too stubborn, what sets in? I don't care anymore. What about when somebody misunderstands you? You're trying your best to do something. You're trying your best to love on somebody, but they don't understand you. Or they misunderstand you. And they misunderstand your intention. There's an anger that comes along with that, right? A sense of betrayal that comes along with that. Like, how could you do this to me? But on the other end of it, it's hurt. It's upset. It's a specific kind of anger that comes out of a feeling of hurt. And so we have different colors of anger here. Different colors, different shades, a different gradient of anger. Anger is so complex. And often what motivates our lives is not just happiness, and it's not just virtue. Often what motivates our life is anger. We choose one major because we're so sick of being told what to do. We decide we're going to make a lot of money because we're so bitter at a world where we were immigrants. We didn't have enough to get by. We move out of the house because we're so sick and tired of having people talk up and interfere into our lives. We break friendships because we're angry. We make friendships with other people because of the anger that has happened before. Actually, so much of your life, it's really important to actually consider all the ways that anger influences your decision-making. And so all of, we see anger being at the core of 
something like murder. But anger is a very, very pervasive emotion that rules a lot of the way we see the world. Even in terms of ethics and justice and fairness. There is a difference between when your sense of justice and fairness is based off of anger and when it is based off of love for other people. Anger rules so much of our lives. And anger is burdensome. It is something that we carry with us. You know, like, everybody has a bag. Right? All of y'all have a bag or a backpack. Some of us, we've got some of some of the men, we've got, they've got, you know, tote bags. Some of the men, we've got backpacks. You know, some of the girls, we've got backpacks. Some of the girls, we've got tote bags, right? And when weight slowly piles, you kind of don't feel it. One day you're on, you're carrying just a notebook. The next day you're like, well, I need, I need to do some work, so you pack your iPad. And then after that, you are like your friends are like, can I can you carry my wall? And the wall's kind of empty, but like, yeah, sure. And then you put it in. And you kind of don't feel it. It's like growing. And it's like, oh, like, let me put in like this thing. Let me put in that thing. Hey, my keys. Hey, my phone. Hey, my friend's phone. And like things pile within. Oh, I should bring tissues just in case. Oh, now I have to carry hand sanitizer. What about lotion? My hands get dry. Right? And it's just like it just piles and piles and piles. And all of a sudden you're carrying a lot in your bag, but you don't notice it. You only notice it when you take everything out again and you're only carrying the notebook that you carried before. Anger is like that. It is burdensome, but we don't notice the burden because it piles up in increments. And we are so protective of our anger. Being justified. We are so willing to be angry as people. Because we are so set on being right. It piles so little, you won't even notice it until you've let it go. Only when you let it go do you notice how burdensome it was before. Anger is pervasive. It can be dangerous. It is at the core of a lot of our decisions. It is at the core of a lot of our reactions to things. And it is such, such an important thing that we do not talk about enough. And Jesus calls it out here, like just off the bat. And at first, it sounds like he's just calling everybody out and their mamas and their grandmamas for like the most fundamental human emotion. But what we really see here is he is calling out the dangerousness of anger and telling you to check yourself before you wreck yourself. You might ask, Jane, how can anger be the same as killing though? A commentary that I was reading quoted, like it was French literature, I don't know what book, but the quote was, as love would make alive even the dead, so hatred would kill the living. As love would make alive even the dead, so hatred would kill the living. It's more that God, it's more, it's more that God doesn't just see our action and judge it, but he sees our hearts. And if he sees, like, to, to frame it another way, if God is truly who he says he is, and he really does see, peer into every person's heart, and he is telling you right now that the same anger that all of us carry is the impetus for murder, 
Should we not take his wording more seriously to deal and cope and learn to, to wrestle with our anger better? Should we not take that warning more seriously? Just to word it another way. If God really is who he says he is, and he says that anger, that same anger that, all, that motivates so much of our lives, that same anger that has different colors like annoyance and frustration and hurt and all of the bitterness and all of these things, is the same motivation as murder. Should we not take that more seriously? It's another way to think about it. But that's not all here. It's interesting. Because the opposite to hatred and name calling also, y'all, is God saying that if you're name calling, we're subject to judgment. Number one, the most important thing to remember is that Matthew 5 happens before the cross. Jesus is talking about the kingdom, and he is warning people of the gravity and the reality of their actions and the behaviors and their souls. Because we have spirits. So he is opening our eyes to another reality. At the same time, he has come to die for the consequences of your action. If we confess, if we believe in our hearts and confess with our lips that Jesus is Lord. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whomever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Because we are our essence, our soul. And Jesus addresses this. You might be wondering, like, why is Jesus so fixated on judgment? He came to die for it. <laughs> what do you mean is Jesus fixated on judgment? God is a God of mercy. Do not forget that. And in order for us to understand how important Jesus is, we have to understand the gravity of what our actions also are. Because if we were that good people, we would not need a Savior. And so that's why Jesus is, Jesus is just addressing the gravity of how dangerous and how ugly anger can be. Jane, does that mean that anger in and of itself is a sin? No. Even God has righteous anger. God has emotions just like you. When you are wrestling with bitterness, when you are wrestling with grief, when you are wrestling with pain, you can remember that you do not worship a God who sits on his high, home, high horse in the heavens and does not understand. But he does understand. He, in every way, has been lonely. He has grieved. He has hurt. He has willingly laid his life down. He has been broken open, and he has been blistered before. So it is not anger in and of itself, but it is the way that our humanity, our broken condition, twists this design. And it's also the focus of our anger. Why are you angry? Are you angry because you are justified, or are you angry because you did not get what you want? Are you angry because this is something to be righteously angry about? Or are you angry based on your standards and your sense of self? Do you see what I'm do you see where I'm getting at here? It's about the motivation of the heart. God is addressing something here about our hearts. And then he addresses reconciliation. For those of us who are younger, what is reconciliation? Reconciliation is when you work out differences with people and you forgive people that you have fought with or you have come in con like you have 
um, come into conflict with. You're not, you fought and now you're not okay with this person. Reconciliation is when you work that out and you genuinely forgive them and you genuinely let it go. So it's interesting. Jesus talks about murder, anger, and reconciliation all in the same damn breath. What can we say? That's our Lord. And he goes into reconciliation as the opposite of something like your anger manifesting in hatred in the heart and then manifesting outwardly something is murder. The opposite of that, he says, is making peace. He says, if you're offering your gift at the altar, what does it mean if you're offering your gift at the altar? Obviously, when you offer something at an altar, it is a sacrifice, right? It is a sacrifice. It is a God-given duty, in, in, especially in that time, right? But there's something more than that because Jesus is preaching from Galilee and you offer the altar in Jerusalem. So you have to go 80 miles by foot to offer your gift at the freaking altar, okay? You have to go freaking 80 freaking miles by freaking foot. Do you know what it's like to run a mile? <laughs> Times that by 80. That is what people did. They pitched their, they walked all day, pitched their tents at night got up again, walked all day, pitched their tents at night, just to give your gift at the freaking altar, okay? So it says, if you're offering your gift at the altar, not an altar, but the altar, and then you remember that somebody is angry with you, go and be reconciled. I have a couple things to point out here. Not, not that you are angry. It is not, God is not saying, and then you remember I realized we all missed that. We all missed that. And then you remember, not that you are angry with somebody, but that somebody is angry with you. God deliberately has it so that you, if you are giving your gift at the altar and then you remember that somebody is angry with you, that is not saying that you are guilty of what this person is angry about. It is not about guilt or innocence. But when you remember that somebody has something against you, that's the actual wording. It's even more nuanced and even more difficult to take in <laughs> because now it's just something against you. Not even full-fledged anger, when they have something against you, all right? When they have something against you, even if you might not have done anything wrong, go and be reconciled. That, does not, that is not God saying go and apologize for everything that you didn't do wrong. He says, go and make peace. Making peace is not just keeping calm and not dealing with conflict. Making peace is when you work it out. When you actually work it out with an open heart and a genuine willingness to let it go. To stop holding this against this person anymore. That is what making peace looks like. Some of us might not have ever made peace in our lives by that definition. Because even when we reconcile, we might not have let it go. Now, the other aspect to this is he's saying, 
When you about to give your gift at, because we forget, social location is important. When you're going from Galilee to Jerusalem, and you're about to give your gift at the altar in Jerusalem, and then you remember that somebody in Galilee and somebody in Timbuktu has a problem with you, go back to Galilee and do another trip back and then give your gift at the altar. That is 80 times three. God is saying, even when it is inconvenient, even when it is hard, because you will wrestle with yourself every single, every single inch of those 80 freaking miles, you will wrestle with yourself. One step, Lord, I didn't do anything wrong. The next step, Lord, why do I have to do this? The next step, Lord, don't you love me too? The next step, Lord, how come I'm going through this right now? What's wrong with my life? And you will go kicking and screaming to that place of peace. See here, but peace is a promise. When you walk all 80 miles of your journey to forgive, peace is a promise at the end of the road. Jesus here points out something very important and that I'm going to say this strongly. Anger in the church is cancerous to community. I'm going to say that one more time. Anger in the church is cancerous to community. And reconciliation has priority over worship. That's hard. That's freaking hard, all right? That means that when you are unwilling to reconcile with somebody, that your worship might be compromised. Why? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, Christ has done the ministry of reconciliation. For our sake, he who knew no sin became sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He is in the ministry of reconciliation. It's hard. That's hard. But there is a promise of peace, a promise of presence. And like I said to you before, I do not stand here because I am good at it. You are sitting here in your seat like, I do not want to hear this right now. Same, same. <laughs> imagine, imagine these words having to come out of my own mouth. What you are seeing right now is Jane obeying God to the nth degree. And every single fiber in her being trying to stop it. That's why my, my knee has been going all service. And that's because I do not want to be preaching this right now. Because there are some things I do not want to let go of myself. And yet, this is God's word. Thanks be to God. It's hard. I'm not up here trying to tell you that it's a walk in the park and that you should be perfect. God knows just exactly where you are. And he doesn't need you to be anything else. He loves you for all, all of you. Your weaknesses, your imperfections, all the things that he's done wrong, he died for the, that moment. 
all the things that you are going to do wrong tomorrow, he died for those moments. Jesus is kind. He is patient. Patient. He is gentle and firm. It's not easy. Another thing to point out is that the word go, leave your gift at the altar, is kind of an aorist tense. It's like a quasi-past tense, right? Be reconciled is quasi-past tense. It's a fixed point. It's aorist. But go is present tense. It's a continuous, it's like an ing kind of present tense. So God understands that going, going to be reconciled is a journey. Who do you need to be reconciled to today? Who? Oftentimes the people that we actually need to be reconciled with are the people that we love the most. And it is going to be hard. Lord, I didn't deserve this. God, I don't want to forgive him. God, why? Why, why did she do that to me? God, I didn't do anything wrong. I get it. 100%. And as you walk your 80 miles, you'll find all of us along the way. You know like when you walk a marathon and they're nice little pickpocket pick points? You'll find me. You'll find me in mile 16. I'm like, got a broken ankle. I'm like, you know, like, kind of like, you know, you might go ahead of me. I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'll catch up to you. You know, I'll be, you know, stumbling through mile 16, okay? We will find each other along the way. But it's important that we do it. I will not stand here and say, that I have been good at it. There are some people in my life, I don't think I've actually ever completed all 80 miles with my parents. Um, we have a long history of brokenness. Um, I think I have forgiven them, but I think there are still some parts of me that is scared to let it go. So sometimes I get triggered. So I'm like on mile, I would say I'm on like mile 75. It's like the last five miles. That sounds easy, right? Y'all, I have you walked a mile? When was the last time y'all walked five miles? Okay, I've got a long ways to go. You know? That's the thing about forgiveness, too. Sometimes we do all 75, we're like, we're done. Y'all still got five miles. You still gotta walk the walk and talk the talk. You gotta walk. Walk the mile. Forgiveness is an important spiritual practice. And forgiveness is a direct response to the gospel. One of the very first things you can do when you realize that Jesus has forgiven you and has loved you and claimed you and fought for you, one of the first things that we can start immediately is forgiveness it is a direct cause and effect relationship between the forgiveness that we receive. We receive so we give. And every, I will tell you this as well, 
Take this as an encouragement for me. Screw the rest of the world I have written with you, but I don't like it. Every mile that you walk more of forgiveness, the forgiveness that you have received becomes more real. Our parents always like to tell us. And for some of us who grieve our parents, we like to, we like to remember the concept, the more we grow up, we remember our parents more, whether they are with us or not. The more we grow older, the things that we could not forgive seem smaller and smaller. I'll never forget, I just recently turned 26, and when I turned 26, it hit me all at once that my mom had a four-year-old and a two-year-old in the middle of a country that she didn't know how to speak the language of in a very, very difficult marriage. Like exactly where I was, where, where I am right now, that's the kind of position she was in. And all of a sudden, she's not just my mother anymore. She's a woman who has weathered things and been through some stuff. And the more you grow up, the more milestones you hit, the more you understand, not in huge amounts, guys, don't, when, you, when you feel like you reach understanding with your parents for the first time, y'all, that is mile one, okay? Just remember, all right? We got time, we've got time. Your first kid, when your first kid goes off to college, when that first kid gets married, the first time your kid points at you and slams the door on you and says, get out, you will remember the day you did that for the first time. That's what it is. The more we walk, the more real what we've received becomes. The thing about, the thing about what you, Getting older is not always that you get wiser, but you sin a lot more because you've had a lot more time. And the more you grow older, the more you realize God has had a lot that he has forgiven. The way that 14-year-old me understands forgiveness and the way that 26-year-old me understands, woo, woo, whoa, night and day, night and day, baby, night and day, right? You know? The more you walk the walk of forgiveness, the more real the forgiveness that you've received will be. The more you love somebody, the more the love that you receive will grow. God sees your pain. Some of us here have people in our lives, I'll end with this, some of us have people in our lives that we don't want to forgive. To you, I say, more than me, I have no doubt that our God gets it. I have no doubt that our God saw every single tear you cried on Friday. 
And I have no doubt that our God saw every single time you were broken. Some of us might have been angry at God. Some of us might have a hard time forgiving God. And I have no doubt. I have no doubt that God gets it. Remember, because he's a God that has gone through the dumps for you. Like, he gets it. He sees you and all your brokenness. He sees all the things that you cannot do and all the things that you struggle with doing. And he died for that. He fought for you. He intercedes for you. He loves you. So that person that you have a hard time forgiving, God knows. His initial reaction is not, why aren't you forgiving them? It will most likely be a hug and a long cry. Even if that unforgiveness is towards him. He sees your pain. And he also sees why you're angry. He's not saying that your anger and your unforgiveness is not justified. Our God, thankfully, is a God that gives us a full amount, a full dose of comfort as we need, and also a full dose of conviction. Because just because he gets it doesn't mean that he does not call us to something greater. And it does not take away from how anger can be dangerous, how unforgiveness can be dangerous, and how it can morph into very hard things to get rid of once it sets in and it festers. You need to heal properly, even from anger. There's so many different forms of anger. Even grief is anger. And grief is not just loss of life. It's loss of relationship. Heartbreak is a form of grief when your relationship turns out of joint with a family member and you grieve the relationship that is lost, that's all grief. And anger is a stage of grief. Just remember that God loves you and also calls you. Reconciliation doesn't mean that things have to go back to the way they were. That might not be possible. And honestly, where you end up on those 80 miles of reconciliation might be a lot better than where you started. I have this one friend, we basically fought, she's my friend from college, right? But it's not fair to say that she's my friend from college because basically all throughout college we had beef. And then um, the same Shelly that like, gets really aggressive with her sister. You're not supposed to know that. Because um, she's actually really kind, really sweet. She's actually really nice, like one of the nice people I know, okay? Um, I named, my nickname for her is, she's my wife and I'm her husband. 
Um, I'm not trying to get into that right now. We're not trying to get into that. It's a nickname. Um, what was I getting at? Oh, yes. Shelly had to sit us down because we were not getting it. Because we were, we're two girls from Flushing, and we will fight. Like, I will fight some. I don't know why. Like, I'm a pastor now, okay? But when I am not a pastor, and, like, things go down, I, I am, I am, I am from New York City. That's all I can really say. So uh, we weren't going to back down. And so Shelly sat us down, and we started going at each other, like, at, at each other as soon as we sat down. And so Shelly was like, okay, okay, everybody stop. Like, I'm going to pray for us. And she prayed for us. And her prayer, I don't even remember what she said. I don't even think she remembered what she said because she was stumbling through her words. But God did something in my heart while she was praying. I remember my heart feeling like it was opening. The next conversation was really difficult. But I remember just explaining to her, I'm like, I'm human. You're expecting of me to never mess up. But I'm human. And you're misunderstanding my words. I never said that. I never did that. You're assuming something of me. But I was telling her that with a full acknowledge and openness that she, that I might have been doing the same for her. Needless to say, this is one of the girls that I'm closest to the most, but we have not been in the same city for very long since, because I moved right to Boston. Um, and I will tell you, that my friendship with her now is way better than what it was when we met. When it was good the first time. It doesn't have to go back to the things, the way things were. You don't have to force yourself to trust somebody like that. Take your time. But if you really forgive the person, it will get better. I guarantee you. I guarantee. Who do you need to forgive? How do you deal with your anger? How do you cope with it? Do you cope with it? And what have you heard today about what God says about it? Can we take this moment to pray? Some of us, we might not have prayed to God in a while, or maybe not at all. But why don't we try? Why don't we take a minute to try? Having a conversation. What calls out to you today from what you've heard? Is there a face that comes to mind? Something that you have a hard time letting go? God is a God of comfort. He's a God of peace and rest. He is a God that knows how crappy life gets. And a God that meets you. Could we just take this moment to pray? If we need to reconcile with somebody, let's press into it. If you need to forgive somebody, press into that. If you need to forgive God for or just at least address your anger at God for somebody you've lost or something that you've lost or maybe the season of your life. If there's somebody that you are fiercely angry at, can we come before a God who sees us, 
who loves us, who accepts us, and give that to him. Yeah, just, just talk to God about it. If you need to cry, nobody's looking at you. Everybody deal with their own stuff, right? listening we hope you were blessed by this week's message for more information check out our website at mbkumc.com